Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I am John Ledyard from pewterreport.com, along with the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, back from the great north. He is Matthew Matera. What's up, man? What is up, everyone? I'm so happy to be back. I'm pumped to talk Bucks football. It's right around the corner. It's coming up this Sunday. Let's go. Let's go, baby. It is. It's that time. We got five days until training camp. The Super Bowl champions are going to be in Tampa Bay. Matt's back in Tampa Bay. I won't be in Tampa Bay until August 2nd, but I'm geeked for it, man. It's going to be an awesome season, and I can't wait to get it started. I think it helped today, too, that they were at the White House. Everyone was celebrating, reliving the Super Bowl championship that they won. Ring ceremonies in two days, right? What's up? Ring ceremony is that in two days? Yeah, that's that's coming up soon. And you know, the president referred to Tampa as making a strong case for Champa Bay mm-hmm. or Title Town. So, uh, all great things, man. All that's really great. exciting things. It is. And you know what else is a really exciting thing? Celsius peach vibe, rocking it out. Love it. Got the peach vibe. I did. I get. Some, I got some when I was in Pennsylvania, awesome. man. And it is. It is help. It is sustaining. We got the blueberry pomegranate. Too oh yeah, strong. that's Too probably strong. my favorite, honestly. Yeah. Maybe yeah. the orange. The orange is like the original, the OG, mm-hmm. but I do love the blueberry pomegranate. Yeah, I like the orange. I like the orange sickle. Um, I like uh I love the peach vibe though, man. I, I keep coming back to that one. And the tropical vibe too, the newer one is really, really good too. So for people who don't know, Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy, the best energy drink out there. And they are now in the protein bar market as well. Fast protein bars. White chocolate cookies and cream. This one is unbelievable. They also have a caramel one, salted caramel that is, I mean, might be my favorite actually out of all of them. Um, the You can get this variety pack. There's a link in the YouTube description. You can get this variety pack and get this flavor, the white chocolate cookies and cream and uh, the, uh, and the uh, caramel one um, together in a box. You can just follow that, click on that link. You can get those ordered. It's really, really good stuff. You don't want to miss out on that because I think those protein bars are the best tasting protein bars I've ever had. They are just game changer to me in that way. So get your Celsius energy drinks as you always do, but also check out those fast protein bars, 20 grams of protein, hard to get protein without the sugar. They give these bars, give you that just one gram of sugar in each bar and 20 grams of protein. So it is game changer stuff. Check that out. Celsius doing big things to change the game as always. Speaking of changing the game, Matt, we're here to talk about O-line, D-line, camp battles for the Bucks. What what battles, right? It's all set in stone, right? There's not going to be any surprises. Very late in the depth chart, there's going to be some good battles. <laughs> but right. that doesn't mean that they're not important because right. depth is key, and we learned that last season. So, you know, I, I, I think it's great that you can kind of come into this training camp with a little sense of ease, like, okay, we know who's going to be starting here and there on, on both sides of the ball on the offensive and defensive line. But who doesn't love competition? So there's going to be some fun things that you could pay attention to as a Bucks fan that you could see on pewterreport.com. We'll be paying attention to all of those intricacies and little battles that we'll see. But for the starters themselves, yeah, it's kind of down pat. Would you mm-hmm. say not? Yeah, I would agree with you. As And I think we'll have to kind of dive into some of those deeper camp battles as we always do on this show anyway. But first want to get to a couple of questions and comments we've got from people to kick things off. Richard references Tom Brady uh, poking some fun today uh, to, uh, during the White House visit. 40% of the people don't believe the Bucks won to which Joe Biden responded. I understand that. Yeah. It's a pretty, uh, had me rolling. I'm not going to lie. I said that to my wife. She was rolling as well. That was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, there were a couple of good moments uh, from today's White House visit for sure. So it's been yeah, some fun stuff. He, um, Brady brought up the forgetting what down it was yes. in the Thursday night game against the Bears. So that was funny. You know, he's able to poke a little fun of himself. I think the, 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 the best quote of the whole thing, it happened early on. It was Donovan Smith. He was on his uh, on his Instagram, uh, one of his stories, and he turned to Tom and said, oh, you, you have residency here, don't you? Because Brady just wins so many Super Bowls. He's been invited so many times. Right. But then other people pointed out, too, it's quite interesting that Brady went to the two initial Super Bowls that he won 
but then he didn't go the next two times and then the Patriots didn't go in 2019. So he actually, he's been invited a bunch, but he actually has only been there uh, two or three times, which I thought was interesting. But yeah, Donovan Smith had a great quote there. Devin White was pretty much giving a whole tour of, uh, you know, the entire White House. He's like, this is the red room. This is this room. He's looking at like different precedents and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, definitely check out all the content going on there. Yeah, some good stuff. And, and Donovan Smith and Bradley Pinion, who are on the team social justice initiative, yes. they were able to meet with vice president to talk about voting rights and things like that. So even in the midst of that visit, good things happening and those guys trying to move the needle for change. And absolutely, it just, I mean, I again, I can't say it enough. I've having been covered other teams. I'm not even like a Bucks biased Bucks fan type of person, like as you know, but I just can't get over this team. I think just has a lot of the right type of people on it. And so it has been a lot of fun to cover them for that reason. Um, some good things were brought up today too. Some interesting things I should say. I don't know if they're good or not yet, but Alex Guerrero, Tom Brady's trainer, and obviously one of his best friends went on Adam Schefter's podcast. And I thought this was really interesting. He talked a lot about Brady. It's a fun show. Listen to the Adam Schefter podcast and you can check it out. But one of the things that was interesting was Schefter asked him point blank from what he's Schefter was like, from what I'm hearing, a lot of members of the Bucs, or, or maybe most members of the Bucs, I forget exactly how he phrased it, don't, didn't even know that Brady had an injury, uh, you know, that, that his knee was injured or that it was torn MCL or anything like that. And he's like, is that true? And Alex Guerrero responded, that is correct. And then he said, but you knew. And Guerrero said, yes. Yeah. So Guerrero made it clear that he knew and that they knew from the beginning of the season that he was going to have to have surgery on at the end of the year. It's unclear to me, A, at this time, why – Brady didn't just get that surgery after the Patriots, after this last season with the Patriots. I wonder if it had something to do with free agency and not wanting to be like laid up necessarily or maybe less marketable at his age if he had had surgery right then. I don't know. I'm not sure what it would have been if the news got out. Maybe he didn't think he would have – everybody would have had the interest in him as a free agent. I don't know. I don't know what that – but there's the other part of it is that do we believe this, that the Bucks didn't know. I have a hard time thinking how he could have got past the team physical. Yeah. How could he possibly really, you know, hoodwink someone or, or yeah. hoove them? Like he came to them as a free agent. It's not like he was already on the team. I yeah. don't know how physicals work when you're already in the team, but I know as a free agent, you're getting a physical done before you're actually signed. I agree with what you're saying. It, it's fair to say that, you know, maybe he wouldn't want the news to get out before sure. he signed with the team about surgery, because anyone's going to have their reservations about signing a player that just had knee surgery, especially a guy at 43, or I guess he was 42 at the time. But um, I guess it's a little different, though, when it's Tom Brady. Oh, it's the greatest player yeah. of all time. We got to get him. On I don't think it would have changed what. anything from the Bucks' perspective. Yeah, I agree. And I think, too, also, Brady said this in an interview. I think it was after the Super Bowl, but. He said he never likes to talk about injuries in the first place. He said everyone right. deals with their own injuries and their own personal, I don't want to say personal off the field troubles, but like, you know, different things that happen to your body throughout the season because they obviously put their bodies through so much in a, in a football season. He said everyone deals with things differently and everyone is able to overcome different injuries in, in different ways. So I just think it's one of those things, even if he was signed to a team or, or whether it was this was with the Patriots or it only went down with the Bucs. I don't think it's something he really would have talked about, even if it was something very minor or very serious. He's just never really been that guy to discuss right. that part of his uh, playing yeah. career. It's just going to be interesting with the consequences that the Bucs could face for not disclosing that injury on the on the reports each year, each week of the season. If they could face consequences for that, if the injury is provable, you know, kind of at the end of the year and they could – but how did you know the, the Bucks? I don't know if they're going to be able to plead ignorance and then get out of it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, that's their responsibility, I feel like, to know, you know, and to put it on the report. I think that could be how the league looks at it. You know, do I care personally? No, not really. I think, I think the Bucks would trade a fine for a medical thing for the Super Bowl championship they just got. Sure. I remember when Brady was on the Patriots, though, he would be on the injured list like every single week, and it would be yeah. the smallest little injury, and it wouldn't matter. And everyone right. would complain, why is he on the injury list? He's like clearly not going to miss a game or something like that. And now it's on the yeah. other side of things. It's just interesting that Guerrero said that because to me it seems very unlikely that he would that they wouldn't have known at all. Now maybe, you know, he now I think Schefter technically asked them almost everybody or something like So maybe – Couple people knew, but at that point, then the Bucks aren't off. And Guerrero's right? technically a member of the staff, so kind that of, would yeah. Fall into- that also makes it tricky. How exactly does that work? Like, what is he required to disclose? 
So anyway, yeah. questions. So, like, what that if he caters like just to Tom and yeah. I guess Gronk because Gronk does the the TB12 method? And what if he's only a TB12 yeah. player specialist? Is is that uh right? Is that you know Scotty Miller? We know did a lot of that stuff. Is that yeah. kind of okay? Like now he's going to do what those got. What about what the team needs to know? And I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying anything nefarious happened. I'm just I don't understand. There's a gray area for me here that I'm confused. It's a lot about. of legal jargon. Yeah, that. we need to be able to ask these questions at, at one of the first Bucks media availabilities. Is kind of what my my wanderings out loud say. Um, Mitch Shamora says practice. Brady said practice tomorrow. Is that true? Uh, I think he meant the maybe the rookies. Uh, because yeah, he report- mentioned that at the end. Well, he also said they were going to do eleven on eleven against the White House interns. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't think that's true either. Yeah, maybe he, he probably just meant that rookies are reporting because initially the rookies are f- supposed to report to camp today. And yeah. I was thinking, well, who's going to be there? Everyone is in Washington. Yeah, <laughs> they're the already on their way back to Tampa, though. Apparently, so. yeah, yeah. Um, so, I don't yeah, know. Rookies- I think it's just rookies, and I think twenty play- fourth is when players report, and then twenty fifth, I think, is the first yeah. practice with everybody. So. Man, that's so close, dude. That's that's it's the 20th today. It's awesome. I know. Can't I can't wait. wait. Sunday. Brian says, Brady's really going to be a Sunday fun day. It is. Question. It really is. Yes. <laughs> and a lot of them coming after that, I think, for this Buck season. Uh, B- Richard says, as athletic as Tristan Wirfs is, do you think there's a package where he lines up as a tight end and receives the ball? Let's maybe rope right back to this one. Um, yeah, I just want to make sure we cover the Brady injury thing and any questions there. Um, yeah, I think everybody's just kind of in speculation about where the facilities during COVID done at the Bucks facility. Yes, I believe that they still were for Brady. I think they still brought him there. Either way, the Bucks would have had an access to knowledge of whatever the medical report was. So, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's tricky to figure out right now. Um, there's a lot of layers to this for sure. Let's get back to Richard's questions. Athletic as Tristan Wirfs is, do you think there is a package where he lines up as a tight end and receives the ball? Certainly could be a package like that feel like it would be a pretty obvious tip off to the other team unless they found some way right to when he's not lined up in position i do right. love the question and the bucks are no strangers to doing this they obviously had vita Vey line up mm-hmm. two seasons ago and he scored a touchdown against the atlanta falcons i remember vividly because it was a road game in atlanta but i was at the game and i'll never forget like the audible gasp that everyone had in the press box when vita Vey scored yeah and then, of and, course, in the Super Bowl, right. they they did it as well with a play to uh, yeah to Joe Haig. So it's definitely something the Bucks wouldn't rule out. And but you already have Vita Vea as like the guy that would do that. Worse, I think is very possible with all the things he could do: the backflips, the box jumps. He's clearly athletic enough to you know get open on a goal line play. But like yeah. you said, it, it would be crazy. You wouldn't be able to disguise it at all with him. Like, oh wait. Right. What he's they, yeah, they'd have to basically, here, like, as Paul's kind of suggesting here with this comment, they'd have to kind of set it up all season where they were consistently doing it, having Werfs out there and yeah, not throwing at that point, is, and, is it worth it for like one right. play when you guys yeah. run it in with Rojo or Leonard yeah. Fournette at the one yard line? Doesn't feel likely, but <laughs> yeah, fun, fun stuff to talk about. When speaking of the offensive line, we kind of feel like this is a group that's fairly set in stone going into the season. Top five are obviously set, no competition there. Josh Wells, uh, Aaron Stinney. Um, and uh, Robert Hainsey all Robert seem like Hainsey. locks, right? So you have eight. There's eight right there. And how many yeah, do you think they're Probably nine. Yeah, I wrote down like the whole depth chart and everything, and I was like, okay, well, there's eight locks, and they're probably going to keep nine. That's what they've done in the past. That's what we always do with our our uh, Bucks battle plans and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So it's really just a competition between, let's see if I got all the names here, at least five different guys for essentially yeah. one spot. Yeah, and it's tricky. Okay, so real quickly, I'll run through the names so everybody kind of knows. What, you know, there's probably going to be two on the practice squad and one on the active roster from these names. You've got John Molshin, who was undrafted at a Boise State last mm-hmm. year. We know the team liked him. He stuck around through everything last year. They kept him around, uh, so he's a guy that they prioritize. They've been positive about. Uh, Denell, he plays guard, and I think he could play maybe a little center. They're hoping. We'll see. Uh, Denell Stanley um, has also worked at different positions. He is probably the longest of long shots out here. He and Nick Leverett probably um, the longest of long shots to make the roster, perhaps a practice squad spot. We'll see. Um, you've got Calvin Ashley, the tackle who was, it was, it started out at Auburn um, and, and actually kind of has a lot of the size traits that maybe some of the athleticism we're looking for. Technically though, there's, there's concerns and does he have positional versatility or is he just a tackle? 
those will be all things that the Bucks are going to want to look at. And then probably the two favorites, maybe along with Molson, maybe we say three favorites is the guys that are most likely to win. That last spot is Sidarius Hutcherson, the undrafted free agent from uh, South Carolina that I predicted after the draft would win that ninth O-line spot. And Brad Seaton, the tackle from who was on their roster and then opted out last season, was the Bucks' lone opt-out. He is back and intact. And Bruce Arian said positive things about him uh, on uh, during minicamp, I believe it was. And so, yeah, we've got a situation where there's a lot of guys competing for one spot. It's a good problem to have because I think some of these guys can definitely play. But I personally think that Hainsey's versatility to play tackle if they needed him to, and Wells being a tackle – I think the emphasis is going to be on the guy inside and probably a guy who can snap. And I think Sidarius Hutchinson's got a great spot at winning that job. Yeah. So you said versatility before, and I think that's the key with not just Robert Hainsey, who that is super important. That's the reason why they got him in the third round. Yeah. But any of these players that could be versatile for that ninth spot, who could play inside, who could play right guard, left guard, because with Hainsey, they had him, and it, you know, granted, it was rookie OTAs and the mand- mandatory minicamp, but you know, they had him taking snaps too. So if they have him as a backup center, all right, and you, you know, you could lock in Stinney as one of the backup guards. And like you said, with Wells, a tackle, do you want like another backup tackle? Do you want another interior guy? Because no. if Jensen goes down, Last year, they had the benefit until he had a career-ending injury. You had A.Q. Shipley, who's right. you know, standard center. He slid right in there like it was no – well, sorry, Jensen didn't get hurt, but they moved over Jensen when Marpet mm-hmm. was out. You know what I'm saying. Yes. So that's why I think Hutcherson is, Hutcherson is such a, a valuable guy to see. I really like Molshin. I think there's a reason why they kept him around for so mm-hmm. long, but we haven't seen enough to know if he could really – that's something I guess I'm going to – look at specifically is how much he'll move around in this training camp. If he's going to go to guard or if he's just going to play tackle, I think the versatility, they have it there. And Hainsey is such a wild card because I don't, I mean, the bucks aren't going to reveal to us. Oh, he's strictly going to be a center. Oh, we're going to use him as like the Joe Haig role, uh, lining him next to the tackle or whatever. So he's a real wild card for this training camp. We know he's going to make the team, but how he's utilized and how that affects all the other guys going for Mm -hmm. that ninth spot is a real interesting storyline that will go on for definitely a couple of weeks at least. Yeah, it is. I mean, there's it's it's all about the versatility matters so much. You could have guys playing on pretty comparable levels, or maybe you know Seton's way, but you know playing better than Hutcherson. But at the end of the day, they have feel like they have enough tackles. They have four if they think Hainsey can play there, and they need another interior guy. You know, a guy, mm-hmm. a guy who could be an option there at multiple spots. And so Hutcherson wins the job, and Seton doesn't. And so that could be what you're looking at as well. A lot of it also will depend on what they really think Hainsey is capable of. I really don't see Hainsey as a tackle. The Bucs have been adamant. They see him as a five-position guy. He obviously has more experience to tackle, having played all of his snaps there at Notre Dame at right tackle, than any other position. So from that perspective, you could see them keeping him as an active guy on game day. Um, he could be dressing. He could be you know, the one of the backups on game day. I really don't know. Uh, I just know that where Hainsey makes progress is going to determine a lot of things. Because if Hainsey is basically like, nah, we don't see him as a tackle at all after the preseason, but, oh, we see him as a center or guard on game days for sure. Okay, well, then now Brad Zeaton's chances of making the roster just went way up. Because you have Seaton and or you'd have Seaton and Wells as your tackles. You'd have Hainsey and Stinney as your backup inside guys, and maybe Hainsey's killing it at center. You'd feel great about him being active on game days as your backup snapper. You know, obviously Marpet could do that too if you needed him to, but uh, nice to have a guy that you can just plug right in without having to move around your whole O-line. So that's why Hainsey is kind of the pivot piece, no pun intended there with him playing center, but uh, it was kind of the pivot piece to this whole thing because if he looks great on the inside, might be bad news for Hodgerson. If he looks like he could play tackle in the NFL, might be bad news for Seton. But I do think one of those two guys wins it. Molshin, yes, he's talented. Maybe is a great camp. To me, I just think Hodgerson's nastier. He's more of a natural. Mm-hmm. He's physical. My big thing with Molson is I just never saw a super physical guy. Like, I just think in the NFL, if you're not physical as a lineman, you really right. have to be like, unbelievably a- technical. Like, you have to be like a special technician. Like, not that these guys aren't physical, but if you're not like a mauler or like, you know, you have to be like a kind of like a guy who wins like a Joe Thomas or a Whitworth. And those guys are physical for sure, but like they win with just unbelievable technique and positioning. And like, I don't know that. 
either of these guys are going to get there. So I'd rather take the meaner, bigger, stronger guy that can catch somebody right and lay them out um, rather than the guy who's just going to kind of barely get by on every snap, like a, like emulsion in my opinion. So that's my general thoughts on the O-line group. I think it's a, somebody said, uh, what a crazy bigger and said, what a crazy trip it is to have an O-line surplus when we had a ragtag lineup for all those years. Very true. And yeah, uh, yeah nice not to be starting a season with Caleb Beninach in the lineup, huh? <laughs> Yeah, man, it's crazy. It's it, like you said. Uh, it's essentially a, a domino effect with with the whole Hainsy situation. I think it's important to note too. Just you know, shout out to Donovan Smith, who has been close to an Iron Man in terms yeah. of playing left tackle, just holding that down. He's hardly ever missed a game or anything like that. And I remember he went through a brutal injury before training camp. I want to say it was either 2019 or 2018. He went through a tough injury and he was able to tough it out and you know didn't miss any time from a from a lower leg injury which was tough Mm -hmm. and you look at Werfs on the other side too and he's a guy that's an athletic freak he's only one year into his career but he seems like a guy that will hold up pretty steady so that might also interest the Bucs into not like you obviously have to be prepared if a guy gets hurt and obviously that's why Wells is there and you can lock him in yeah but that might put the Bucs in a situation where, where they're like hey can't count on anything, but we got two studs at the tackle position that we're confident are going to be there for the long haul of the season. Let's move mm-hmm. up the interior offensive line in case we got a situation like yeah, that. They've had more injuries there for sure. And yep. they, you know, they do love the Maulers. Ryan Jensen is the leader of the uh the Mauler group, I guess, mm-hmm. if you want to say. Mauler mob probably sounds a little mm-hmm. bit better. There you go. So marketing. Yeah, yeah. I think uh to the victors go the spoils, is this right? Yeah. Ace Andrew says, could you elaborate on why Hutcherson never got drafted considering he seems to have a good skill set? It was interesting to me that he didn't get drafted, Ace. I wish I could tell you exactly why. I mean, really high character, you know, of great repute uh, at South Carolina. They talk very favorably about him, his speech during the season about, and not that I'm against any player opting out. That's what they felt like was the best call for them at all. But Hutcherson's speech, why, why, why he personally didn't feel like opting out was the right decision for him was uh yeah it was a it was an inspiring little talk that he gave there to the media um i thought so i I think he's made of the right stuff that teams love for sure physical he's athletic enough i think it's maybe not his biggest strength but technically certainly there were some ugly reps here and there but i definitely i'm just stunned reviewing his tape after the draft why he didn't get drafted i i really was i thought he could be a spot starter and a solid backup for a long time, those guys usually get drafted, especially in the O line. So, I feel good about him. The little we saw in minicamp, I, I mean, with what you can judge, I, I was impressed. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. There's there's a long way to go probably with him. Um, you know, to 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 prove me right or wrong, but I'm very excited to watch him. He's probably the offensive lineman. He and Seton, because I really haven't seen Seton. I mean, is it crazy, Matt, to think? Seton could beat out Josh Wells. Is that crazy? Was Wells like always way ahead of him? I, I don't know. I he wasn't there in the past. Did those guys compete? I don't really remember them competing too much. It was okay. essentially Wells was namely just That's the right. you know the next guy up. If anything mm-hmm. were to go down with the offensive tackles, I don't really recall them having too much of a you know oh it's either this guy or that guy when it mm-hmm. comes down to it. We'll say though, Seton's from the Bronx, so I have a feeling, uh, you know, he's going to bring that that nastiness. He's going to scrap at some point with somebody. Well, Bruce Aarons is big against no fights. No he fights. He hates yeah. like, especially when you know when the Bucks have like the joint training camp with the Titans this year. He doesn't like when guys try to show their machismo by like getting in a. It, it's essentially it becomes a shoving match because no one really throws punches because then you're yep. hitting a helmet and that's just idiotic. Right. Why would you punch a helmet? <laughs> right. Josh wants to know how many O-linemen dress on game day. I think it's usually eight, Josh. I mean, depends on team and game, but I'm pretty sure it's usually eight. Uh, usually one guy inactive. Maybe, maybe it could be seven, but I think usually eight. Um, who are the free agent O-linemen available? Mitch wants to know. I actually have no idea, Mitch. Uh, I don't know. I haven't looked yeah, at all. I haven't, I haven't checked that in a bit. It's yeah. not really positioned at the Bucks. Yeah, have been I like, oh, right. you know, this is who the Bucks need to get, you know, in free yeah. agency. They're one piece away. Right. Uh, Long Lost Glazer says, how about Alaric Jackson not getting drafted? Dude had 42 starts at Iowa along with Tristan Wirfs. Couldn't get a seventh-round flyer. I watched Alaric Jackson on tape, and then I watched him at the Senior Bowl, and I was not super surprised that he didn't get drafted. Let's just put it that way. Thought he thought he struggled a good bit there. 
You know who doesn't struggle a good bit? Spotify Greenroom, and especially Pewter Report on Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is changing the way we talk sports. It's the only place for live audio conversations about the takes, rumors, news, and teams you care about. React to sports news as it happens, gather all your friends and watch parties for the biggest games, rep your favorite teams, and find your community. Better Sports Talk is just a tap away. Download on the Apple App Store and join the conversation with Spotify Greenroom tonight over on the Peter Report channel. Our own J.C. Allen, Paul Atwal, and uh, and Jack Barrett will all be on there talking the some bucks, I believe. Yeah, the newbies. They'll all be on there talking some bucks. So, uh, yeah, it'll be a good show with those guys tonight. I believe that's 8.30 p.m. Eastern is the time on that one. So get Spotify Greenroom, follow Peter Report, jump into the conversation with those guys. They always have a ton of fun. On there, lots of good insight in there as well. So, good stuff from them. All right, we got to go to the defensive line and the defensive side of the ball. Let's start outside of the edge defender position. The locks are Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, and Joe Tryon, who should be the number three guy. Yes, it's technically a competition with Anthony Nelson. I think Tryon would have to fall on his face not to get a lot of those reps even early on. So we'll see how that battle goes. Anthony Nelson will be trying to really kind of stave off. We'll, we'll be kind of stay, trying to stave off Joe Tryon, but really for a roster spot, trying to stave off. Cam Gill, who came on pretty decent last year. He impressed oh, yeah. as a pass rusher, did some good things on special teams. The, both he and Nelson were staples on special teams last year as the number three and four guys. One of them will get bumped off, probably off the roster maybe even. Uh, Gill could go to the practice squad. Anthony Nelson would probably go in another direction maybe. Um, I don't know if he would go to a different team or what would happen with Anthony Nelson if he were released. But, yeah, I think that could be, that could be a scenario where you're looking at a couple different options for those outside linebacker spots. And it's not crazy to say Anthony Nelson could be the guy out of luck when it's all said and done. I don't expect it, but Cam Gill has, a, he's impressed them. He had a, what, half a sack in the Super Bowl. Yep. He's done some nice things. I really like Cam. I mean, obviously he's not, he's not Shaq or JPP or anything, but yeah. I like Cam Gill's game. I love his speed on the outside. And if you have speed, it can take you a long way in the NFL. I love how he gets to the outside. Uh, I believe he came from a small school, so he had a lot of development to come with that, and that takes some time. But he was important. He did some good things on special teams as well. He's a guy that seems like he's taking it. He's he's learning a lot since he's joined the league. Mm -hmm. I think there's room for Cam Gill to grow, and I think there's room for potential. I'm not saying he's going to beat out Anthony Nelson quite yet, but – I think he's another guy where if he can at least make the the practice squad and get a little more development under his belt, he could have a role for the Bucks. You know, whether it's just being an important special teams guy, and obviously, you know, he's not going to be a gunner on on the punt team or anything like that. But that doesn't mean you can't make an impact on special teams. I mean, look at the Pat O'Connor blocked punt. I think Bucks fans still remember that one from the Denver game. I just really enjoy his speed. I, I like. I just remember seeing a ton of uh, reps that he had last season in training camp thinking this guy has an opportunity or he's at least making the most of his opportunities and maybe he's not as athletically gifted as a Shaq or a JPP, like I just said. But this guy has a motor to him, and I think anyone that has a motor has a chance and you know they're playing because they love the game. And um, yeah. I'm excited to see what he can do in this training camp. Well, I wrote last year after the draft, remember, I said, Cam Gill's going to make this roster. I don't think he made it right away, maybe, but I, if I'm recalling correctly, but he was active by like week three, and then he played in like every game after that. He yeah. was a key special teamer because I think, yeah, on tape, it was obvious in college he had a little something to him. Like he's a good player. Um, I think they can hang on to him on the practice squad if they need to. But here's the other scenario, Matt. I think they can keep five outside linebackers. In fact, I think they're more likely to keep five active outside linebackers than they are to keep five off-ball linebackers. I, I really believe that. I think they might look at this, and I know we're not talking linebacker today, they might look at a situation where they say, we want Cam Gill and Anthony Nelson active for special teams. And we know we don't have to have, so we're only going to make three linebackers active, off-ball guys. And you know, if we need push comes to shove, we make Jordan White at a linebacker. You know, if we lose two guys in a game, we make Jordan White at a linebacker, or we maybe we teach Cam Gill some off-ball stuff, or maybe we play, yeah. you know, big nickel the rest of the way or something like that. But that might be how they look at it to get Gill and Nelson both out there on special teams, uh, give themselves some more defensive line versatility, maybe with those guys. But yeah, I think 
that is kind of might be the key to this whole thing is is how many of those guys they're able to keep and it could be five maybe one's inactive on game days on occasion but yeah i think it could be five that they end up keeping in order to keep gill away from another potential team do i think gill gets vultured from the, from the squad on practice squad probably not but the bucks may want him up and they may want him active and then maybe he's the, the fourth guy on game days yeah, I think Anthony Nelson, too, would be a guy if they're like, hey, we're going to cut him or somehow try to stash him on the practice squad. I feel like Nelson would be more inclined to get signed by another team, maybe because he's more well-known, maybe because he went to a school like Iowa and people have seen him do some things. Mm. I mean, the Bucks are – everyone says, oh, we're going to keep, like, the best players on the – best 55 players available. And, you know, sometimes that's BS and it's hyperbole. Contracts come into play and you can't do it. But – I believe the Bucks coaching staff when they actually say, hey, we're going to take the best players available. Yeah. We know Todd Bowles loves versatility, more so at the safety position, but any player that he can do different things with is certainly a guy that he would like to implement something for them in the defense. And even if that means Cam Gill moving him around or, like you said, moving Whitehead up, there's a lot of creative things you could do with this Bucks defense, and I think they're going to be firing on all cylinders this year just from the continuity of playing together. And I think they're going to even be better than they were last season, yeah, especially well, up front. Very possible that they could be. And hopefully the addition of Joe Tryon does that. Right now, we don't have much to talk about with him on this show, but he will probably be the player we talk about more than any other, hopefully, over the next month because it's going to be all eyes on him. You know, He and Jalen Darden are probably the rookies that have the path to being able to really help this team this year. Yep. There are hardly any new additions to this team at all, so there really aren't that many new people to talk about. So we will probably talk about those guys up and down um, those days to try and get a feel for what they bring to the table and how much they're going to be able to make an impact this season. Uh, Mitch wants to know, will Mr. Relevant make the team? Tune in to tomorrow's podcast, Mitch. We'll talk about linebacker safeties and corners, and we'll preview those positions in lieu of training camp. So make sure you can uh, you check in on that. Bucks time 12 wants to know, can Cam Gill stop the run? That's what we don't know. We haven't seen enough reps of Cam Gill trying to stop the run yet uh, at the NFL level to know and have a really good insight into what he is in that part of his game. Paul wants to know if we can shed our, some light on our process of evaluating linemen. Uh, yes, but uh, do you mean offensive or defensive linemen? That would that would help clear things up. But I yes, I can provide an answer to that for sure if I know which side of the ball. Um, Bucks time 12 wants to know what don't why don't people see how thin the D line is after the starters? I cannot understand why we have so much depth on offense and so little on defense. I don't know if Bucks Time 12 is talking about interior guys or outside guys. I don't think the Bucks would be, I would say that they're thin on the on the outside at least. And we'll talk about inside guys in a second. But the outside, I mean, having a first round rookie as your number three guy seems yeah, pretty good pretty to me. Solid. Yeah. Nelson's <laughs> Nelson's not a great player, and there's no ceiling for him to be a starter. But as a fourth guy, I, I feel fine with Nelson. He gets slandered because he's not a pass rusher. But Nelson can hold the line. Like if you need somebody to like come in and play a game, he's not going to mess up. I don't think. Like he's a yeah. Good he makes player. little impacts here and there. I um yeah. He doesn't. You know, he's not. He doesn't like jump off sides and things like that. He's he's got he's like ninety foot foot. He's able to you know knock yeah, pass him like down. This. He's solid in the run too. So yeah, yeah he's you know, he's a capable player. He's not. Right. There's awful. just no ceiling. That's why I was always like, you got to find the next guy because if he ever has to be the number two, you're in trouble. Like. You don't you don't have the impact you get from somebody else. That's why I was not last year. It was like, you know, white knuckling it to yeah. hope that Peter Paul and Beth You Jack look around the entire league. How many teams have you know your fourth string edge rusher is? Mm-hmm. Oh well, you know he would right. be a starter on most other teams. Like no, that's just not the case. Let's look right. at it realistically. You know, I think the Bucks tried to get as deep as they could on defense this offseason. Realistically, having knowing that their cap is spent toward the best group of twenty two starters in the league. That, that okay, what can we do to so they got a guy like Joe Jones late in the process to play linebacker and and fortify that fourth spot. They drafted two guys, obviously, but then same thing uh, with the edge defender. You know, taking a first round pick on Joe Tryon. Okay, good. Now we feel like four and five and Gill and Nelson are in better spots to fit who they are. And you know, bringing back Ross Cockrell for cheap that was huge. You know, to give themselves a viable yeah. fourth corner. I think the fourth corner is one of the best, most important depth spots in the league. And now you have a guy who's started most of his career somewhere, been a key contributor most of his career somewhere. So I think they prioritized it and they saw the defense was thinner. And so they got those guys. Now, 
there's not ballers like there's a wide receiver all the way down. You're not going to have that at every position group. You got a you know wide receiver tight end are unique on this team. All those guys are in unique scenarios. Cambray took a pay cut. Gronk came back out of retirement. Um, you know, it's kind of unique situations with those guys. They had the leverage with Gronk. So, yeah, I think it's a little bit different when, when some of those situations, you can't do that at every spot. Um, Gla- Gla- Long Lost Glazer wants to know about the special teams battle coming up at linebacker. Yeah, we'll touch more on this tomorrow. Minter, Britt, Stewart, Tryon, Nelson, Gill, sort of. I mean, Tryon's going to be active, so it's really Nelson, Gill there. And, you know, Bruce spoke about him playing special teams, and they said he's got the you know genetic ability and all the you know height, weight, everything to play right. special teams. Obviously, right. it's not the end goal for him. Uh, two and three seasons from now but for this season yeah he can he can he can contribute there for sure yeah. and he had been doing it in in minicamp as well once he was ready to go big earn wants to know can we get a shout out to Alyssa lang for extending her contract and keeping that stammer doppelganger out of florida indefinitely <laughs> little shout out to Alyssa lang yeah. stuff. congrats to Alyssa. that was yeah. that was awesome to see today very well deserved man she is a game changer on that network for sure she does yeah, an outstanding great. job and yeah She's doing the Lord's work by keeping Trevor and the disaster, the disastrous losing and the disaster. That the just keeps racking up the yeah, time out of, out of Florida. So that's what we got. <laughs> that's what we got to do. Hey, you know, who else keeps you uh, safe and sound in the face of disaster, Matt? It's Briar Greaves, just like yes, Alyssa Lang. She, they keep us safe in those situations and they make sure that we've got the insurance that we need, whether it's life, homeowners, auto, or even commercial insurance. Briar and Sam Greaves and their staff are the best in the area and big bucks fans. It will literally take you 10 minutes to get a quote to compare your current policy, and that 10 minutes could turn into hundreds of dollars in savings. Don't wait. Call Briar Greaves today at 813-876-4166 and find out how much money you can put back in your pocket. 30 years in business and buck season ticket holders. Call Briar or Sam today. That's 813-876-4166. Man, they can save you money. Give them a call. Give this thing a shot. Big Bucks fans. Can't go wrong with them. No, you can't. Don't lose anything by giving them a call. So go ahead and do that. BriarGreavesInsurance.com. So, okay, we got to talk about our O-line, D-line, and uh, how we evaluate this. Uh, Paul was asking, you know, kind of, I'm just looking at, did his man beat him? And did, did he beat his man, plug the gap? Not too sophisticated. So, yes, not too sophisticated, but also, like, we do a whole pod on this. So I'll just say a couple of things really quickly defensively, especially if we're talking edge rushers, the most important things I'm looking for, what I call the four pillars of pass rush athleticism, burst off the ball, the first step quickness, that's all under the same umbrella, speed up the arc. Can you maintain the first step? Do you just get off the ball quickly or do you have legit speed to to get up the arc? Can you keep that speed up for the next three or four steps, basically? The ability to bend or turn the corner it could be ankle flexibility, could be hip flexibility, uh, but the ability to dip and turn without losing speed. You don't have to be Von Miller, but can you dip and turn a little bit without losing speed or slowing down or getting pushed up the arc by a guy, even if you've beat the guy out of his stance? And the last one I look at is change of direction. If you have those and the ability to kind of cross a guy's face or jab step him and, and get outside of him, if you have those four things, I think you're a stud as a pass rusher. Like, Yes, your hands matter, but all that stuff can be developed and fixed. Miles Garrett didn't have great hands coming out, but he had all four of those things at an elite level. So, yeah, people are like, oh, he doesn't use his hands like Derek Barnett does. There were people like, oh, Derek Barnett's better. No, he's not. Like, Derek Barnett's just a mediocre athlete. Those guys get exposed in the NFL. Athleticism is the most important thing for edge pass rushers. Does a guy occasionally overcome it? Occasionally. Very rare. Very, I think it's important too. Uh, just to add on top of that too, I like seeing guys that try a different arsenal of moves and not just rely on the bull rush. I hate pass rushers that just rely on that because eventually you're going to run into someone that's just yeah. as strong as you are and you can't beat them. I think exactly. Shaq is a, the perfect example, and he had the benefit of playing behind guys like Von Miller, where he was able to learn so many different you know swim moves or cuts and rips and everything like that. And that really helped his game extremely. Is that yeah, he could hit you with the spin move, then he'll also rip mm-hmm. inside and get after the quarterback too. I, I think that's important to develop your game more where you know the guy might just be as good as you and you're going to need something a little bit different just to get over the edge, and that right. might be it. Hard to be elite without elite athleticism, but yes. you can still bust with elite athleticism. It doesn't mean, doesn't mean you're necessarily good. It just means you have a better chance of being good than somebody who doesn't have elite athleticism. It's one of the important – one of the positions where athleticism – 
especially testing athleticism matters the most, I think. And I'm not just talking about 40s either. Jadeveon Clowney is kind of a prime example of what I mean when I talk about pass rush athleticism. Mm-hmm. He is a freak athlete. His pass rush athleticism is just kind of average. His best trait is his explosiveness out of his stance. He maintains the speed pretty well, but he can't bend. And so that's always been the thing that's limited Jadavion Clowney as a pass rusher. Everybody freaked out when he ran his 40, and I get it. It was it was awesome. It was important to a degree. But when your three cones average uh, in all in your in your short shuttles average, you don't change direction that great. You don't bend or turn corners that great. A- at some positions, it might not matter. At at edge rusher, it just really matters. So he's had a lot of you know success when they've moved him around, put him inside, let him rush on a linear path, you know, to the quarterback. That's he's had success there. But when he's on the edge and he rushes a lot, it's been limited. He's got to win with his hands. He's got to win with speed to power. And like you said, eventually guys usually solve that and you need other moves, and he's never really developed fully as a pass rusher because of that. Most of his wins are just freak wins. That's what they are. you know. And on, so. on top of that, real quick, I remember you writing right after the draft uh, a story or two about how Tryon, a big thing with him, was his first step and how he can he maintain that same speed after the initial first step. And yeah. I remember you writing about that. So that'll be yeah. another thing to see if he can continue doing that for training camp this summer. Right. That's a good point. I think, yeah, the ability to – some guys can get out of their stance quickly. Some guys you don't, can't tell because their their technique's off, right? Their, their step, they step backward a little bit and then come forward. We mm-hmm. call it false stepping. Or they step to the side. They're not. Some guys aren't really balanced in a two-point stance. They like to like – do like this before the snap. And so then they're kind of off balance or they're rocking back when the ball snapped. And, you know, no, the most guys will just teach you keep leaning forward and then keep, get ready to spring and then spring, you know, but in college, a lot of these guys are like rocking all over the place and they, their first step just doesn't develop because they, you know, they aren't secure in their stance yet. They don't have that technique down. And so I, yeah, I, I am excited to kind of see whether Tryon's fixed that part of his game, I think for sure. Um, and offensive line wise, I'll just say real quickly, I think that getting out of your stance is really important for pass protection. You know, some guys just don't get out of their stance very quickly. It's important for pass protection. It's important for run blocking. So explosiveness is big. And then hand usage is just critical and that we could dovetail on all kinds of conversations about hand usage. And we will at some point, I'm sure. But I would say those things I think are just really, really huge. And all of it needs to be physical. I just, I don't know. Yeah. There aren't many guys that can without. That's being like an physical. all-encompassing answer yeah. for, uh, you know, both sides right. of the line. Right. I think so too. Well, Long too with the offensive line too. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Right. Long lost Glazer wants to know, is Pat O'Connor a lock to make the roster as DT5, DT6 due to his special teams prowess? Only seven less snap, special team snaps than Ryan Smith for most of the team. What do you think about this? You've watched Pat longer than I have and kind of know how the team feels about him. It feels like to me, he I don't want to say he's a lock, but I think he's probably a better chance than people think, right? I don't think it's fair to say a lock for a guy that's just going to be a special teams role that isn't a, a gunner situation and he's uh you know a backup, backup, backup defensive yeah. lineman. But he is a guy that slips through the crack, the cracks in in situations where yeah. He's a likable guy. Yeah. The teammates love him. And that's not the, that's not the only reason why you would keep someone. But he's shown that he's another guy that puts in all the effort. You have to be an effort guy if you're playing on special teams. I think he has a solid opportunity to make the team because of what he's able to do in his role. You know you don't have to worry about him in terms of making a mistake out there. He goes and gets some tackles. I, I said the you know the punt block before. So he's definitely active in special team situations. And let's face it, it's quite difficult for a defensive lineman to really get noticed on a special team's play. And Pat O'Connor, one way or another, has been able to do that. I'm not guaranteeing he's going to make this year's team. But if they're just looking at from a special teams point and all the coaches have talked about how big special teams going to be this year, mm-hmm. I would bet on him making the team. But I don't think it's a fair to say it's a lock yeah i i agree i i don't think it's a lock but right now you've got who do you have their locks and i know some people already asked about him you have vita vea ndamukong su will golston rakeem nunez roches yeah and steve mcclendon is a lock jc allen like what is this guy writing about who hired I saw then i kind of chuckled a little bit <laughs> i was like i told him yesterday i was like hope you're tuned into the podcast because matt and i are gonna bash you and he didn't even know what about now i'm springing it on him steve mcclendon's making the roster brah this guy came in from the Jets and balled out as a run defender last year, picked up great snaps. 
his age though, he's he doesn't miss any games due to injury. He's an unbelievable shape. He's gonna be like a trainer or something when he's done, run his own performance place. He's got all the answers and physical stuff. He he's ready to go. You know, he and McLean, yeah, he and Sue are the oldest defensive tackles in the league, but He's only going to have to play a handful of snaps. There's plenty of guys in front of him. Yeah, I mean, He'll he didn't be, really play more than like 30 snaps a game, 30% no. of snaps a game when, you know, right. when he came to the box. Right. But his job coming to the team and the job that he executed very well mm-hmm. was he's a run stopper. And what's the yeah. key to this box defense, especially the defensive line? Before anything else, they say they want to stop the run so they could put teams in third and long situations and then let Shaq and JPP and hopefully Joe Tryon do their thing. You're asking him to stop the run, all right? Don't expect McClendon to, like, get many sacks or anything like that. You can't really expect that too much for most of this defensive line, though Sue had six sacks and Golson had three and a half, and Vita Vey even had two in in a very short amount of time. I'm really excited to see if Vita Vey continues his upward trend as a pass rusher. Yeah, that's huge. To get back to the point, McClendon is going to make this team. He's going to be important with stopping the run. And it's going to be important to take some reps so you can give Ndamukong Sue a breather or Vita Vea a breather. We know how much Sue played last season after Vita Vea went down. I think it's going to be super beneficial now having everyone healthy. Like we said, Sue's an older guy. He doesn't need to play every single snap, but he'll be there for all the key important moments. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think McClendon is a lock too. So that's five. Yeah. That leaves you with one, maybe two spots, which you were thinking about. Jeremiah Ledbetter, I think he's probably the long shot. I know Benning, Pochawai, and um, Kobe Elijah Smith. Elijah Ponder is... Elijah Ponder's moving to the edge now, I guess. We didn't even mention him. Sorry, Elijah. Yeah. Um, he was playing Kobe on the Davis edge. Is, uh, another guy Kobe, Kobe Davis. I said Kobe Smith. <laughs> Kobe yeah. Davis. Um, and then, I yeah, I don't think those guys have a chance. I think it's... Led better, maybe, but I think it's for six, it's probably O'Connor and Khalil Davis, right? I'm not forgetting anybody. I think it's those two. Yeah, that's pretty much everyone. Five. I will say, I thought over the past couple of years, Jeremiah Ledbetter has had really good training camps, but he keeps getting hurt at the end of them. And then obviously at that point, when you're already injured, you're not going to make the team that way. If Ledbetter could stay healthy for a whole training camp, I think he's a really interesting guy. He's, he's, Pretty mobile, I'd say, for a defensive lineman. He can he, obviously he's not like a great pass rusher, but I think he has the ability to make some important plays that you maybe wouldn't see from other guys. I think if he could stay healthy, he's quite possibly an option. Yeah. Khalil Davis, I thought he did a good job of of stopping the run in training camp and in small amounts of times that he actually played last season. I'd like to see how much his game can improve this year. I saw a couple things during mandatory mini camp and things like that, but granted it's, it's the underwear Olympics as, as coaches like to call it. So yeah. I'm not putting too much stock into that. I do think it's a three man race though. Cause if Ledbetter can play special teams, that obviously pushes the envelope for a guy like Pat O'Connor that we talked about before. Mm-hmm. Maybe they would decide to go with Ledbetter over, over O'Connor. These are things that we got to really look into. Right. I think, I think it's a three-man race for that last spot, and, and I, it, it'll be fun. The other thing is O'Connor, he, not that he isn't good on special teams. He is. He's a really good guard on the punt team. You know, he blocked. He's very a blocker. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just – like, he's not a great coverage guy. I mean, he, he does what he can, but you are talking about somebody you do not see many, you know, DN slash kind of – I mean, he could slide inside. He can play 4-I. He can play over a tackle. Like, mm-hmm. he's kind of like a mini D tackle – you don't see many guys like that on special teams. Like, no. He's a rare type, you know. Um, he It means there's limitations in coverage because he's not an athletic freak. So, you know, kickoff, return, or kickoff team, he was on that all year. I don't know. Do you want to run that back? Because what I saw, not that you have to defend many kick returns in today's NFL, but yikes, like <laughs> it wasn't necessarily great. What I guess an assignment sound. It's just hard to move in that much open space when you're the biggest dude on the field, the slowest guy out there you know so yes glazer or less yes uh pat o'connor has done a decent amount on special teams but i don't know that i would say he's so valuable in that role that he couldn't be the options couldn't be plentiful elsewhere too especially if khalil davis you know here's the big big thing if khalil davis balls as a pass rusher it's it should be the end of the story you know he's He's the sixth guy because you don't have any pass rush juice and this may be go back to uh, whoever was asking about depth you know, you have run stuffers. If somebody gets hurt, 
Rakeem and McClendon, they're going to hold the line against the run. Even Golston, like Sue, you know, you, all these guys will. But I don't know about pass rush. That's where the question comes. Like to me, Sue is probably declining in that way. McClendon, Rakeem, Nunes, Roaches have never offered much in that regard. Golston's kind of experienced a little bump under Todd Bowles. He's getting better, but he's yeah. He's not really a dominant force in that way. So you've kind of got a committee approach and it's fine. If you've got your edge guys doing work and JPP can play over the guard on occasion and there's ways around it. It's not the end of the world, but if you've got a young guy flashing pass rush ability, all right, well, we got to figure out how to get this guy active on game days because that could be an impact guy for you. So I think it's a huge off season for Khalil Davis. Yeah. This year he might have a small role, but McClendon, Sue, Rakeem Nunes roaches his two years, I think, on his contract. But McClendon, Sue, Golston, all free agents. Decent chance McClendon and Sue retire after this season. Yeah. Hard to see all those guys coming back. I thought he was going to retire after this season. Right. They have, like, no youthful upside energy guys on the D-line. The only one that could even possibly be that guy, other than obviously Vea, is a backup, is Khalil Davis. That is... He could go from a kind of like we've talked about with uh, Jalen Darden or Tyler Johnson. They could go from like fringe roster guys who are not even active for every single game of the season to like key pieces next year because the guys that they lose, they need to be ready to step into those roles. So a lot of eyes on Khalil Davis, man. I can't wait to see what he brings to the table because he could be an important player down the road. Absolutely. He almost like we, we were talking about with Hainsey on the offensive side. Davis could be another domino effect type of guy where if he, like you said, balls out, has a great training camp, you know, he could definitely jump over Nacho and take a lot of Nacho's playing time. And Nacho is the ultimate energy guy where he hypes up everyone else. But again, you have Evan White on defense. He'll hype up everyone up. Right, for sure. You got got plenty of hype there. Davis is one of those guys that he is... He got a lot of praise in in training camp last year. Yeah, he's one of those guys where... He's got arguably not the most approved, but he's a guy that could really, really help his stock with a big time training camp. Right. It's there's a lot to it for sure, but he's one of those guys that I, everybody should have their eye on, I think, because low key, he's kind of important because his team needs to yeah. find defensive tackle help in youth in a big way. If he can't produce, they are going to have a lot of questions next year. I mean, you could be looking at a group, but doesn't have many guys that can even play, depending on what happens. Nope. So, uh, he's an interesting player for this offseason. Okay, so we've covered the defensive line in depth. We've covered the offensive line in depth. Tomorrow, safeties, corners, linebackers. We talk about all of it. There's depth battles at all these spots. Safety four is very interesting to me. There is some quality options there. I did not see that being the case when Andrew Adams went out the door uh, to Philadelphia, but we got some quality options there. CB5 is going to be a big battle spot. Could they keep six corners? Linebacker four is going to be a big one. Uh, they keep five linebackers. I'll tell you tomorrow why I don't think that's the case. Scott Reynolds will be on with me on tomorrow's show. Going to be a lot of fun here on the Peter Report Podcast. So, as always, we appreciate you all. We're five days out from training camp. You know to keep it locked right here on the Peter Report Podcast. Out. Football's almost back, and it's a tremendous feeling. Out.